0: But if you don't challenge your body physically, you are missed so much out of life.
1: Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy episode 85. Today I have one of my former coaches. She was instrumental in teaching me how to swim, getting over my fear of even the deep aspect of the pool. I still have some fears but I overcome them, and part of the reason that I could overcome them is because of Valerie Tyler. Let me give you a little bit of background. Valerie grew up as a tomboy, competing with her older brother. From baseball, to climbing trees, to tag races, to monkey bars, to long jumps. And she also did something which is called mud biking. She then transitioned to African dance, ballet, and jazz, along with tennis, roller skating, skiing, and aerobic classes. She was always active and she still is, always challenging herself. At the age of 50, she was dared to run a marathon, and Valerie loves a challenge, although she competes with herself, not other people. Over the next 20 years, from age 50 to 70. She's run 35 marathons, qualified for Boston four times. She was instrumental in forming the south side of the Kara, which is Chicago Area Runners Association, which was very productive. She also, on another dare, started triathlons at age 52. She didn't really know how to swim. She not only learned how to swim, She earned her Lifesaver certification and began coaching swimming lessons at Chicago Blue Dolphins. She coached there for about 10 years. She now coaches with Maurice, which was a past guest on the podcast, with Infinity. And that is how I met her. She progressed rapidly with triathlons from sprints to Olympics to half Ironman distance. She completed a full distance Ironman and placed second in her age group. Now her focus is on teaching. She has her own company. And she has several certifications. Again, she teaches swimming. She wants to promote health and fitness to younger people as well as people her age. Please welcome Valerie to the show. So thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. So let's just start. You, know, you mentioned in your bio that you always were active as a child. What did you do with your older brother?
0: Beat him up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my older brother, uh, he was a year older than me, and he wasn't as physical as I was, and he wasn't as aggressive as I was. So I found myself jumping on him and beating him up all the time. You know how kids are.
1: You called yourself a tomboy. So as a child, you climbed trees. What else did you do with your brother?
0: Well, I didn't do it so much with my brother, I did it with the other people on the block because he wasn't all that active, little boy. You know, he liked to sit and watch cowboy and Indian movies and stuff like that, where I wanted to go outside and run and jump and you know play baseball and chase people and play it. I think was the name of the game. It you tag somebody, Mm -hmm. I was the one who was uh, much more physical than he was.
1: And you did what mud biking? What what is exactly is mud biking? Just riding in the mud?
0: You know, it's like taking those bicycles that well, obviously they don't look like the ones we ride today, but they were. Big wheel bikes. After it rains, you just ride them through the street on the curb (laughs) where the mud would form, you know, just to make the mud and that kind of stuff. So I call it mud biking. But basically, it was just riding one of those, you know, industrial looking bikes that sit up with the big tires and the big wheels on them. And a lot of times we would put people on the handlebars and see you too young to know all this stuff.
1: I remember riding people on handlebars. You do? <laughs> yeah, remember that. I don't think about it now. I'm like, that wasn't probably too safe. But, <laughs> oh, <please laughs> but yeah. We did a lot of and things. And you know, a lot first. of things we used to do. We used to ride our bikes with our helmets and right. jump oh, out of no. trees
0: and all that kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We used to get inside a tire. You know, they get find those old tires in the junkyard and we would get inside the tire and they roll the tire. <laughs> like it's always fun, and it probably wasn't anything unless it rolled into something it probably wasn't gonna hurt you but the things that we did i mean jumping off the roofs i mean i didn't jump off roofs, roof but, you know With some of the kids in your neighborhood jumping from roof to roof and all that crazy oh stuff.
1: wow okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I did um, things that were, you know like we used to get on the swing and and you probably seen this before we to where you stand up and then somebody's sitting mm-hmm. down and you swing you you make the swing work, but you're standing mm-hmm. on it, and they're sitting uh-huh. between you. Mm-hmm. You're too young. You ain't seen that. <laughs> that's how we used to swing. <laughs>
1: the whole swing at the playground.
0: And and that's so did... scary. I mean, when I mm-hmm. look back at it, it was scary. And we used to swing up high and then jump off the swing onto the grass. Okay. You know what I mean? It'd swing up, and then while it was up, then jump. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds dangerous, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, that was that was the thing, you know, daring each other to do stuff, you know. But God was on our side because we did not get hurt. Thank goodness.
1: Well, that's good. And then you, you transition into dance, ballet, tennis, roller skating, skiing. You, you've done all kinds of different activities.
0: Well, anything that somebody came up with, I was like, OK, I want to learn it. I want to do it. So I've never been. Um, I've always been interested in doing things that were physical. So if somebody brought up something and I try it. So I did all these things. I did everything that. That I could. I probably enjoy dance the most. Okay. I probably you did all dance.
1: types of dance.
0: Yeah, I performed with an African dance troupe. It was okay. a darling Blackburn African dance troupe.
1: Okay. So what gives you your drive and determination to do all these activities?
0: I think it's uh, 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 something inside me. I mean, I don't think it's anything that I developed into. I think I was always that way. My mother told me when I was young, you know, even at one year old, it was like I could tie my own shoe. You know, I can, I can eat my mm-hmm. own food. You don't have to spoon feed me. So I think I kind of had, um, something inside me that was very independent. That was very, um, um, self-motivating that, that I had sort of a drive that made me want to do things and accomplish things. So, um, I just think it was an inner kind of a, a strength, um, because my brother wasn't made up like that at all. It was like, it mm-hmm. wasn't a part of his DNA at all. He was soft, subtle, oh, okay. I, you know, it's sort of a part of your personality, part of your persona, you know, part of your character. And I've just always been that way. I mean, even in, in the corporate world, I was, I never settled for, this is an entry level job is like, well, how do I get to be my boss's boss? So, okay. So you I've always never, had that
1: determination in I'm always
0: had that determination to succeed. But you know what somebody told me one time is that I was very competitive. And here's the thing about it. There's mm-hmm. something interesting about this because I don't I, I'm not competitive. I'm really not. And you've mm-hmm. seen me in so many different, you know, venues. I'm not competitive. I'm competitive against mm-hmm. myself. I don't mm-hmm. compete with mm-hmm. other people, you know. The other people. Yeah, I mean, if you do well, I am in your corner. I am supporting you. Yes, you are, because
1: you've been in my corner several times.
0: (laughs) I I know. I'm I'm like, I am so happy for people to see Mm -hmm. people achieve and accomplish their goals. And I was probably really built to be a sales manager, because I I, I always Mm -hmm. was a sales manager in the corporate world, sales director, sales VP, Mm -hmm. all of that, because I always wanted to see people. I always wanted to develop people, to see them grow, to see them achieve. But I also wanted to do it myself. But I never felt Mm -hmm. like I competed against my peers. Not meaning I didn't want to be in the top, but I didn't feel like a crab. Like if I pull on somebody, I'm going to pull on them to get me up. Or I'm not going to encourage them because they might beat me. I never felt that way. I always felt inclusive and collaborative and supportive okay. and um anyway so that that's so when somebody told me that I said I'm really not competitive I'm really not I compete with myself okay but that I I guess guess that's, that's competitive in a that's certain why. way that's why we use those monitors mm-hmm. you know heart monitors and the GPS mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. always try to say well what can I do to get stronger to, to get make better, it better, better. hmm so I would, you know, time myself, and I wasn't that particular, but I did watch what I did. If you know, if I was riding at an average of seventeen to eighteen rolling, I said, "Well, how can I get to eighteen and nineteen rolling?" Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at when we go out with our trainer. Am I passing people? I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at it like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to get better. I want to mm-hmm. get better. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. So what made you start running at age 50? You mentioned it was a dare.
0: Yeah, I was a roller skater. And this girl, she knew about marathons. And she had friends that did marathons. I don't know if you know Ruby Urban. Do you know Ruby? I don't mm-mm. Oh, wow. I
1: might by face, but you I'm bad with names,
0: though. You got to interview her one day. She is okay. stellar. She's run probably more marathons than any black woman in the history of marathon running that, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, and she's got to be about, Oh, she's really good friends with Bernard. Really okay, good friends. okay, uh, okay. Uh, Her name is Ruby urban, but anyway, it wasn't her, but I was introduced to her and she became my role model. And I said, wow, wow, you run marathon 26 miles. I said, I can't even run across the street. I mean, one, mm-hmm. running was not <laughs> anywhere in my sphere. I mean, I, I I had no, I didn't know what a marathon was, nothing. So, um, I went to a meeting where Rudy Christian was kicking it off, and Bernard was his sidekick, and okay, you know, okay. around and you know, uh, you know, all those guys that are athletes now that we look up to, they were sort of hanging mm-hmm. around. Around and trying to, you know, get all the excitement in the room for people to run and run this marathon. And so um, they told us to go after they hyped us up and said, if you can run a marathon, you could do anything in the world. I mean, you, know, you can accomplish anything, any challenge that somebody puts in front of you. You can mentally handle it and, 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 and get through it because mm-hmm. running a marathon – just puts that kind of, a, um, uh, I'm not, I can't even think of the right word, but that kind of a emphasis on completing something or mm-hmm, pushing mm-hmm. yourself or setting goals yes. and accomplishing them and stuff like that. And yes. I really do believe that. I, I really do, do Yeah, I do too. And, D- and
1: despite obstacles and challenges. Despite
0: mm-hmm. obstacles and challenges. Because if you look at the people that compete in marathons, they usually – have some other stuff going on. They're not just Mm -hmm. doing a marathon. They're a leader in some capacity somewhere, you know, doing something significant. Uh, So um, he told, they told us to go out and run three miles. And I looked at them like they're crazy. I was like, run three miles? You know, I don't know how to run. So they came (laughs) out with us and they, you know, and I was so exhausted. I was like, I ran a block and I was like, I don't think I can run three miles. I was really so we did it with a little bit of a light jog and a little bit of a walk and like, when I came okay. back, I said, okay, so that was three miles. They said, next week you run four, the next week you run six, then you come back to four, then you go to eight, then you come back to six, okay, then you go yeah. to mm-hmm. And you know, the training program, and they said, you got five months. This is May. It's not till October, Chicago Marathon. I looked at my girlfriend. I said, I don't know what we're signing up for, but let's go on and sign up. I said I'm tired. Okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I can't even imagine running more than three miles. And um, to make a long story short, we just kept stayed with the program and did exactly
1: mm-hmm. kept going
0: exactly mm-hmm. what they said to do, which meant you know maybe a 20 minute run on Tuesday and a 40 minute run on a Thursday, and then come back to them on Saturday and do four miles or six miles. So. It was hard, really, really hard, but we stuck with it and we got all the way to the 20 miles and we said, we're ready to go. Okay. It was hard, but it got easier as we-
1: Kept going, kept running.
0: Pushed away and kept building our our strength and our endurance for running. It got easier.
1: How was that first marathon?
0: It was great because we paced ourselves. We said, we're not going to run faster than 11 and now now, look, 11, it ain't super slow, but it wasn't fast. You know, an 11 minute mile. But what we did was we put, we wrote on our arms in, because we didn't have time. We had a watch, but we didn't have a GPS. You know, you got to think about this over 20 years ago. So we wrote in mm-hmm. magic marker on our inner wrist, like what time is it should be at each mile. And then we we looked at our watch on our other arm. That's so funny now that we have p s systems it's like what were we doing, but back then they didn't have that, so that was the way that we made sure that we didn't go over. If we did a ten fifty, we backed down, we did eleven ten you
1: pace, you didn't go out too fast, you kept a steady pace,
0: yeah, we kept a steady pace because we wanted to finish, and we knew we could finish if we didn't burn ourselves out, and we saw a lot of people hitting the wall, a lot of people stopping. A lot of people falling apart, and we were like, we felt great because we stayed. We understood our boundaries, we understood our limitations, and we stayed in our lane. And we got through that first marathon, and after that, it's history. I, I got addicted.
1: Okay, have so you done thirty-five marathons?
0: Yeah, I was with a group of girls that really liked to do marathons, so it encouraged me to travel and do them. So we traveled to. You know, San Diego, Los Angeles, then we hit the Midwest, you know, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and then we went north to, you know, Milwaukee, and then we went to DC a few times to do the Marine Corp. And then I went over to China and then London and then, you know, so St. Croix. So we just kind of found marathons and just somebody would say, Okay, let's do this marathon in Phoenix. And we would say, Okay. Four or five of us are getting up on the plane and go. And then we get a couple of rooms next door to each other. And then we get up early in the morning and go for it.
1: So what's your favorite marathon? Do you have one?
0: That's You know what? I I hate to say it, but I did Chicago 15 times. And it got to the point, I think I like Chicago because it was flat, number one. Number two, I had a lot of cheerleaders. So I always had somebody who was meeting me all along the way. So that was encouraging, you know, taking pictures with them. Bernard was there with his team saying, you only got two miles to go, you know. And I knew the course so well. There's a lot to say about familiarity. I knew the course so well that I knew how to save steps. I had read this article where I could save steps by moving into a lane to cut the corner. Like if we were approaching Clark Street off of, you know, some East West Street, I would, Addison or something, which actually we did turn on a Broadway off of Addison. I remember it real well. I would, it was a short turn off of Lakeshore Drive onto that and then in two blocks you would turn. Well, I would stay on the inside, turn, and then stay on the inside and turn again. So mm-hmm. I knew all the tricks of the trade. I knew the the route. They changed it slightly at the end. We used to go under McCormick Place on the other side of Lakeshore Drive. uh, And then they brought it back to Columbus. But I knew it like the back of my hand. So with that familiarity, it just made me faster and faster. So all my four Boston qualifiers were in Chicago.
1: Did you run Boston?
0: Yeah, one time I ran it. One One time.
1: What year? And tell me
0: about it. I would guess maybe seven or eight years ago. Okay. It was a year or two before they had the bombing.
1: Okay. So that the bombing, I believe was 13.
0: Okay. Then it was a year. Well, maybe it was longer than that. I guess maybe it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Maybe it's about 10 years. ago.
1: Tell me about your Boston experience.
0: It was uh, incredible. It was incredible. It was nothing like you'd ever experienced before. You felt like you were in the top one. <laughs> No, less than 1% of people in the world that were runners, mm-hmm. they made you feel that special. Everything they did around the event was like your Boston qualifier. It just made you feel so special. It made you feel like you're on the top of the world. It made you feel like you were an Olympic athlete, even though you weren't. Okay, It made you feel that you achieved something that so many people never achieve in their lifetime. So when you get out there, you're on such a high and you start running it and you feel so great because the first half of it is downhill. So you're just, whoa, look at my time. And they were like, you know, don't blow yourself out. I'm, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it. So you're going down. They take you out, you know, somewhere and then you come back into city and we're just going downhill. And then all of a sudden it starts, tilting, tilting, chill, and you you climb almost the whole way back. That race was no joke. They had all kind of names for them. This hill was called this one. This was heartbreak hill. This was this hill. This was I mean, you were climbing, people were walking. It was that tough. And then what was so fantastic about it is these colleges that are right outside Boston. They come out in huge support for the Boston Marathon. So the closer you get into the city, you go through these campuses. I know one is Boston College, and I, I'm trying to think of that all-women's college, but I can't think of the name of them. But it's right outside of Boston. So you're coming through, and they're just cheering you on. They got all kind of outfits, costumes, flags, graffiti, sign, all of that. So by the time you finish, it's kind of like when you finish an Ironman. You feel like you are, they call your name out. It's just very exciting. I did not go back. Even though it was tough, and a lot of young people don't make my time, it was a little. I had a little bit more cushion. Where most of the people I was running with, they had some crazy time. They had to do like three fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. I had to do four fifteen.
1: Okay, okay. So, what's your least favorite marathon?
0: I did one in Napa Valley, and we climbed mountains the whole time. <laughs> it was like climbing mountains, ledges like this drop-offs, couldn't really run because there were roots and stuff from trees in the trail.
1: It's like a trail
0: hill run. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the, (laughs) what is this? So, I was just really disappointed at the layout. I went with a marathon group and my girlfriend and I mean, we had to cross creeks and stuff you know, where you have to walk across the trunk of a tree but your shoes would get wet because it was a creek you know, running Creek. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy. Why why would they come up with this? And then after you did all of that and then ran a flat, you had to go back up another hill. No, the same route. Okay. So it was two loops, two loops. And it was treacherous. All you had to do was trip or something. So it made you very tentative. So I just felt like it was, you could not
1: really run fast because it was technical
0: bridges, little bridges, rickety bridges and stuff. So um, Napa Valley was fun, but I thought the the race. And then another one that I have to put right up there in terms of difficulty and lack of enjoyment was the one in Beijing, China, where we did the Great Wall of China. All those stairs? The stairs were not even. One might be fourth inches, one might be two inches. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Oh,
1: yeah, I didn't realize there were different lengths, though. So you can't really go fast. You got to watch your footing, too.
0: No, the footing was very treacherous and very treacherous. I mean, you almost felt like you wanted to hold on to one side of the wall just so that you could get up and down. And then you go down and then the next thing you know, you'd be going up and then you turn around and then go down. You know, so I was like, this is dangerous. I, I thought it was dangerous. Now, some people were trying to run it, but, I, you know, and obviously the whole thing wasn't the wall. You went down into a valley and you ran through community, well, towns, little kids and uh, Chinese, you know, out there cheering you on. But and then it was hot. It was hot. It was like a hundred and ten degrees. So then they were giving you a bottle of water. They didn't have it cold, so they give you a bottle of water, so you try and run with the water. It was horrible. I was like oh. <laughs> So they reduced it to a half a marathon because it was so hot. There were so many people falling out.
1: Oh my God. Well wow, that is hot. 110 degrees to be run. A marathon and all those stairs.
0: Yes. So those are mm-hmm. my two least favorite.
1: What got you into a leadership role in the running community in Chicago, CARA, the Chicago Area Runners Club? What got you involved in that?
0: Well, I was running with my girlfriends on the south side, and we were just, we were sort of morphed away from Rudy into an organization called Chicago Fit, run by a lady named Brooke Jackson, and then when she sort of broke away from that, then I ran with a group called Run tell this. This was just like 10 or 12 of us kind of informally said, Look, we want to continue to run. So we started running out of Laura Beta. And we we went over there, ran down the lakefront, and we had fun. We talked, we socialized, we solved the world's problems, we solved our personal problems. It was just the best, the best, the best. And then one day, years into it, I said, You know what? I love you guys. But I want to see if I can qualify because I had a really good marathon one year, and I said, Ooh, "I'm not that far off." I said I need to be a part of an organization that has a pace group that's going to force me to run a certain pace so I can get there. So I, I knew about Kara, I checked into them, and so I had such a wonderful group, but I had to do a 9:30 pace group. We have been running at 10.30. So not a big push for me, but I just said, you know what? I'd come back and I would say, they didn't leave me. That's all I can say. I was, I was, They didn't leave me. I couldn't breathe, but they didn't leave me. I got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then I got to the point where I became in the front runner of the group. You know, sometimes when we would get close to the finish line or we'd be coming back from the run and we'd have a couple of miles to go to get to Montrose and you'd be going past the golf course and everything. She would say, well, you can take off if you want to have a negative split, you could take off. And I was right to taking off. So I knew that I had the stuff that I needed and everybody was behind me because I was the only one in the group that was old enough to qualify at 930. But I was older. So everybody was pulling for me, pushing for me, encouraging me. Surrounding me and everything. So when we finished the training, I had a ton of friends. Went back the next year, and guess what? All my friends came back. Came to me.
1: care Okay, to okay. Care.
0: <laughs> so I drug. I, I didn't drag them. They said we shoot shooting Valley. Qualified for the Boston. We need to get some of what she's getting. I said, you know what? We need organization. We need training. We need pace groups. So. They went up there with me and they got in their individual pace groups. Everybody kind of was at different paces. A couple of my friends were at 8.30, a couple of them were at 9. I was at 9.30, a couple of them were at 10, 10.30. So everybody got in their pace groups and we would carpool up there and we got it done. So Kara came to me and they said, look, Valerie, it seems like you are very influential. You know a lot of people. (laughs) Why don't you start Kara on the South Side? I like running out of Montrose. I like the scenery up north. You know, a little bit different. You know, scenery than what we get there. Then we got to do that hill at the end. I said I like all of that stuff. And so they said, "Well, we really have not been successful. We tried it three times to get a site coordinator for the south side." So I said, "Uh huh." I don't want to do it. They came and coerced me and courted me and they twisted. Me. They
1: twisted your arm.
0: Oh, my God. They worked on me so hard. Finally, I told them, I said, OK, it'd be easier on me not to drive up there. That's true. I love my people. Let me see what I they can do. They love
1: you, me. too, since they that's why they followed you up north.
0: They did follow me up north. And they all got faster and better. But I told them, I said, I'm not going to be down here with no little peep squeak, you know, 10 people. And eight people are running today and six people are running the other day and nine people. I said, I'm not going to have no small organization because I don't roll like that. I'm not going to start up something. I said, if you can get a minimum of 20 people to sign up, I'll run it. And so they said, well, how will we do that? I said, put it in the Hyde Park Herald, go to the University of Chicago. Now, you can imagine, I had my piece and a couple of others. And then here come all the people from the University of Chicago that are runners that did not have a structured program to join and could not get up North because they were students. They were so excited over the years grew to about 60 people. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. And it was the most diverse group that Kara had. We were the, when we go to the end of the season meetings, we would scream and holler and, and, and they give us all kind of awards for diversity because we had all those University of Chicago, Asians, Indians, Caucasians, Italian, everybody, all of that. Then we had all the black people that were run, running, which was not that many, maybe 20 or so, 25. But we had all of them, too. And then we had different age groups, the diversity award. But that's basically how I got into it. It grew, it grew, and it grew. I had about seven different pace groups. We went from eight-minute miles. We had some people that ran, you know, with eight-minute. And then every 30 minutes, we had a pace group. So eight thirty, nine 9.30. 30
1: seconds. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. 10.30 and more and over.
1: In- very inclusive of all paces
0: yes. as well. Well, that's what okay. Kara's known for. You get in where you fit in with Kara. Okay. So you figure out what your pace is and then that's the group. And if you go faster than, then you move to another You go to the
1: other pace. group. Why? If you're too slow, they'll drop you to
0: the other one. Exactly. Or they'll encourage you. I mean, you do it yourself. I mean, if you want to make yourself faster, then you stay with the fast one and you just challenge yourself. But that's, what's so good about having organization around marathon training. I'm really, that's what really sold me on, um, Cara and organized training. And that's why even when I trained, you know, under infinity for triathlons, it was organized training. Organized training is the best thing you can do. It's very difficult to do this on your own. Now, it's not impossible. You can go to YouTube. You can pull down schedules. But doing it with somebody who is a coach and giving you guidelines and you done this, Weeda. I remember what Mo and Mo Wills is our coach, me and Weta's coach, and other people, a lot of other people. But he would give us a structured plan. And he said, if you follow my training plan, you will finish the Ironman. And the Ironman is one of the most difficult races ever. And he said, but if you follow it, you'll be well-trained and you will succeed.
1: In Season 5, we will continue the segment, as the Doc. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me, send me a message via social media, or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. Tell me, how did you start doing triathlon?
0: It was another day, right? I was um <laughs> uh, good old Bernard and Rudy. They had been doing triathlons, and you know, obviously Bernard had been doing Ironman. They said, "Valerie, you are so athletic. You are so good at what you do, and, and you don't give up." You know, we're looking for people that don't give up, right? They said, "You need to do a triathlon." I said, "Well, I can't swim, so that's out." I kind of knew how. So to you ride. didn't know how to swim at all. Not at all. I could breaststroke. I could do something where I could keep my head above the water. So I could breaststroke, but not professionally.
1: Enough to just stay in the water and kind of play in the water, basically, not swimming, swimming.
0: I could tread for five minutes. I could tread really well. And then I could side stroke. But remember, all of that's got my head above the water. Okay. So when somebody said, put your hand in the water <laughs> and, and
1: yeah, it's in stroke.
0: I wasn't used to freestyle. I joined Team Dream. Team Dream was a collection of women of color doing triathlons. Derek Milligan. He's very well known. So I'm gonna say his name again, Derek Milligan. He's been teaching black women to swim, all kind of women, but he really focuses on women of color. And we had over a hundred women in Team Dream. Okay. And he took them, he took us to Danskin up in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, Lake Andrea, to do sprint triathlons.
1: So was that your first sprint at Pleasant Prairie?
0: Yes, yes. And it was under Derek's instruction. Moe was hanging around there. Bernard was hanging around there. Rudy was hanging around there. They were all sort of mentors our coaches, our cheerleaders, and um, we went up there and I freaked in the water. Totally, totally, we went out and everybody freaked. I mean, it was just like.
1: Was it really choppy that
0: day? No, no. We were in Lake Andrea when the uh, water went out. When we couldn't stand up, we were like freaking. I mean, we're not, we've never done this before. So they put us first after the elites. They had Team Dream. We were praying at the on the beach on the shore and everything. We went out mm-hmm. soon as we couldn't touch down. So they have swim angels that come over with noodles and and baby them swim angels was all over a uh, hanging throwing up noodles and everything. Everybody was freaking out, but swimming in open water was a real challenge. And even if you got to the point, we practiced on Ohio Street Beach, but. It's nothing like being in the event.
1: Yeah, it's just different. All the people.
0: You know, on Ohio Street, you get nervous. You could just paddle over to the ladder. No. So anyway, I freaked out. Somebody gave me a noodle and I triple switched. And then I I got comfortable and I said, you know what? This ain't but a half a mile. Let me get my butt on over here. And I just took off. And then from there on, you know, I started doing that competition. And in fact, we I became a swim angel. Fourteen, drink.
1: So, how did you progress so fast with the swimming? Because I, di- I had no idea that you didn't know how to swim before you started. I thought you had been swimming your whole life.
0: I was determined. I practiced and I practiced and I, pr- I probably swam five times a week. I went to swimming pools. Okay. I went to lessons. I took from Derek, and then Derek told me he said, "Valerie, you are exceptional." You need to get with Chicago Blue Dolphins. If you really want to be a strong swimmer, you come to me. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to buy, buy, buy. I'm going to Chicago Blue, Blue Dolphins. Dolphins. Okay. So I yes. went and joined them and they pushed the limit. They pushed the limit. And that's how I learned how to swim. I could have swim with Derek, but once I started. So
1: he took you to another level when you start
0: I'm going to work at it so that I can get faster so I can move over. I did that. And then I moved over another lane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You start off in this low lane. I'm taking a master's class now and I'm in this low lane.
0: So when I moved over there, then what uh, John asked me, he said, do you want to be a coach for me? And I said, wow, what an honor (laughs) to be a
1: coach. At Blue Dolphin's.
0: For Chicago Blue Dolphins. So I coached for him for about 10 years. Okay. And then, uh, as you know, I I started coaching for Moe for Mm -hmm. Infinity, but um, I coach swim. And I still don't call myself a professional swimmer. You know, I have anxiety when I get in the lake. I have, you know, moments of tight chest. You know, I have all those kind of things. But what I do well is on race day... All that stuff goes out the window
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I'm focused on the finish line. I can't get through the water. I'm not going to be able to get on my bike. You can't
1: get to the bike into the run.
0: Yeah. So I'm nervous, but I just said, oh, well, <laughs> put your head down and breathe. So what I would do to start out to relax myself and to keep from hyperventilating, I keep my head in the water as much as I could instead of, trying to catch breaths I tried to focus on exhaling releasing the air out of my chest and exhaling so that it didn't tighten up mm-hmm. so I would I would keep my head down four or five cycles come up keep my head down four or five cycles blow out slow and finally get myself to the point where I could get into my lateral breathing every three but everybody has a strategy this is mental. It's in your head. So you have to determine what is my mantra? What am I going to repeat to myself? Where is going to be my focus so I can get out this out of my head? And that when I got to to the water, I always had that focus because I was like, I got to get through this. I just got to get through this and I don't want to freak out. I'm not saying I never did. I've gone to a boat. And when I got to the boat, they would say, are you okay? You want to get out? I, said, I looked at them like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just taking a break to get <laughs> my head right. You know? <laughs> they so quick to say, do you, uh, want yeah. me? you. do you want to get out of the water? Are you okay? I'm like, you know what? I'm all right. She, I'm just, up, yeah, just hold yeah. the boat for a second. I'm good.
1: Tell me about your progression from the sprint to an Ironman.
0: Now that's interesting because I did sprints for years then I finally said, I'm going to do an Olympic. I love the Olympic because I kind of felt like that was my sweet spot. You know, because mm-hmm. with the Olympic, you get a chance to get your groove. It's not so short and quick. So I like that you swim longer. You're longer on the bike. So it gives you a chance to stretch out. You know, I was a runner anyway, marathon runner. So, you know, that little six miles was nothing. So then I said, you know what? Maybe I'll try, you know, somebody said, why don't you try half? And I said that's double an Olympic. Eh, why not? So then I started doing half. So I did Steelhead a couple of times. I did something up in um, racing, uh, half Ironman up there, and so I I just had gotten to the point where it was like half Ironman became my sweet spot. Just enough of a challenge to stretch out to uh, place in my age group to show out and all of that, and not be totally exhausted and beat down. So a few years ago, and I trained Man. you know, that was part of what I did with Mo. I'd go watch everybody do it and say, oh, I'll never do Iron Man. I'll never do Iron Man." And I was working full time as, you know, as a, had a big, heavy duty job. I mean, I was the director of a technology company in sales. So I had a a job and I had a child and a husband. I mean, I had all kinds of stuff going on. I was like, I don't have time. So I retired about seven years ago. I'm thinking it was about seven years, six or seven years ago. And somebody uh, two years after that said, well, you've got all this time on your hands. Why don't you try? I said, I'm too old. I'm like in my upper sixties. Why would I want to do an Ironman now? And I ain't been doing one all these years. So they said, well- you're still strong. You're, you know, great athlete and why not? So I said, well, I'll try and I tried and then I, you know, obviously did well, but I, I did everything. I'm just one of those kind of people. I am to the letter. If you tell me to do something, I'm going to do
1: it. You did everything on your training um, plan, and you, you didn't have any reds. You didn't have no reds on the training peak. I
0: didn't have no reds <laughs> on the training girl. I was like, okay. Because you know what scared me? I was scared that if I didn't do it, Weta, I couldn't do it. Do you know what I'm saying? If I yeah, did, if you didn't do the training, yeah, you would. Or I'd die on the on the bike, or I'd die in the run. I felt like, the, actually, the swim was the least thing I was worried about because, you know, by this time I've been swimming so long, it's like okay, I can get a couple of miles of swimming in. Uh, swimming became easy for me because
1: mm-hmm. you've been doing it so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I and I know how to relax into it. It was uh, that uh, in Chattanooga with all those heels. It was getting up and down those heels that I was concerned. About. So I was more concerned, and I knew I was a runner. So the main thing and the longest event in the Ironman is the bike. So you have got to conquer. The bike, if anybody's listening, they're training for Ironman, they can kind of swim, you know, get your swim in, but spend the majority of your time on the bike. The bike is everything, because once you get down there and you throw on some gym shoes, you're going to figure that one out. <laughs> you go <gonna> walk, run, <laughs> walk, run, walk, you know, jog, walk, jog, walk fast. You know, you're going to get your way through that. But that bike is is no joke. That's that's at least seven hours nonstop.
1: So tell me about your your race experience in Chattanooga.
0: It was great. It was great. Well, you know, I was a little disappointed with the swim, but not so much. It was like okay, so I don't have to do that. I I, I kept looking at that river, thinking I don't. There really
1: was e-, e. coli. Is that that's what it was? Why they canceled it, right? When the E. coli, no, water- it
0: was overrun. It it flooded. Uh-huh, which probably had every bacteria imaginable. But that whole area, Tennessee and North Carolina, all of that had been flooding for the for the past week. It was some rainstorm that rained for days and days. So the water was way up over everything, over the rails, over there were floating logs in the river and everything. So they canceled the swim part, which I was comfortable with because even though we couldn't wear a wetsuit mo had convinced me i would be okay because we were swimming downstream mm-hmm. so i'm a little nervous without a wetsuit. but he said we're swimming downstream so as soon as you get in the water you're going to feel the stream the current at the current right so um anyway they canceled that i knew i was strong on the bike because i had been up to wisconsin dealing with the mountains
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: or you know i took us up there four times. And if we weren't doing that, we were doing Barrington Hills, which was, a, as you know, a hilly course as well. So I felt comfortable with the bike. I had a qual- a good bike. I had a Cervelo. I had, the, you know, gotten used to being down, you know, on the, on the bars and everything. So I was fine with that. And I did extremely well on the bike. And then when I got off the bike, you know, I'm a runner. So it was hilly, I do what other people didn't do. I taught myself to fast pace walk.
1: Okay. So
0: I got on my treadmill. I got on bridges here in the city. And I said, I know I can't run the race. Somebody already told me you can't run it. Not Chattanooga. So I said, okay, I got to get a fast walk. So I got myself down to a 13-minute pace walking.
1: Okay, that's fast.
0: And every time I looked at somebody, they were walking slow. And I was like, you know, my arms were working, my knees were coming up, and then when I get to the top, I'd run downhill. Okay. So that was my strategy. And um, as you know, I ended up coming in second place behind this woman that had done it nine times. This was her tenth Ironman, and she had just had a birthday and it pushed herself into my age group. Okay. And I was like, "What? I didn't had no idea I was placing that well." But people were telling me along the way, you know, all my cheerleaders. Because they know where you are. They say, Valerie, you're in second place. You're in third place. You're in second place. You're in third place. You're in second place. So I said, you know what? I didn't know I was doing that well for my age group. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, I ended up uh, in second place, way behind this other woman. She was phenomenal. But she had done this nine times. This was my first Ironman at the age of 67. So I was very, 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 very proud. And did not know I was supposed to go to an award ceremony next morning. <laughs> I had everybody calling me Bernard Mo. They're like Valerie, like, where are you, Val? Yeah, you're gonna go on the podium. I'm like, what are you talking about? Talk, yeah. And they're like, you could go to Kona. You qualified for Kona. You. I'm like Kona. I'm not doing. What are you? What's Kona? I'm like. <laughs> I'm, I was really. I was. They were like, do you know what people
1: do to get to? <laughs> Ah, uh, you yes, you did. You, people lose their mind trying to get the cone.
0: Right, they do ten, ten Ironman or twelve.
1: Uh, yeah. Or actually, I know one female, one male, two I know males who qualify.
0: Yeah, I know them both. But yeah. they, yeah. they they did so many events to get there. They're like, no, no,
1: no. They qualify by their time.
0: Oh, well, they but they, yeah. Their, oh, that's awesome. So anyway, long story short, I had to quickly check out of the B and B, jump in the car, and race over to the, you know. Building wherever they auditorium where they were having this event, and I was I got there five minutes before they called me up on stage. Okay, so you made it, I made it, but it was funny because Bernard was like, How could you? I was like, You all didn't tell me I was supposed to be somewhere, how would I know? (laughs) I mean, I'm good, but I'm (laughs) because it really took a lot out of me. It is a
1: yeah, training for an Iron Man is like uh, another job.
0: It was, and even though I was retired, I had a life. I didn't have a life when I was.
1: You trained. have a life, yes, you do have a life.
0: And I, 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 I didn't have a life when I was training for the Iron Man. I know,
1: because you were like, "Yeah, I'm about to do this ride," and then we going, "Hey, get you tired?" When <laughs> you
0: like, I don't have a life. I tried. I told people I'm going <laughs> to the party. I'm only going to be there about an hour. <laughs> I'm going to show up, and I would get cute. Go to the party, and people would be going, "You look so thin." And I said, I am. <laughs> if you were burning eighteen
1: thousand, <laughs> I know you running and running a hundred
0: miles. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if you was burning eighteen thousand calories over the weekend, you'd be thin too. And so, what I found out though is that I wasn't eating enough. I, I wasn't doing that part of it. I didn't have a nutritionist when I was mm-hmm. trained. And so, even though I was getting all the exercise guidelines from Mo, nobody told me. Valerie, you need to focus on protein. Valerie, you need to put so many calories back into your system. Yeah, I I would do the stuff I was supposed to do, Rita, around the workout itself. I had all my stuff packed from my, my seven and eight hour bike rides. But outside of that, I would be so tired. I didn't eat. I was too tired to eat. I started losing spilling protein in my urine.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember that.
0: You remember that? Yeah, I had to go to a doctor. And my weight went down to 112 pounds. And that, I mean, I was like skin and bone. But what they told me is that I was healthy. And Mo told me, Valerie, don't get concerned about being so thin because you're strong and you have the endurance. Mm -hmm. You'll pick that weight back up. But I was scary. I mean, I had no booty, no calves, no thigh. I had nothing. And I had never been like that. But what I started eating was salmon. I had to eat salmon, chicken, and only dark vegetables. No, you know, romaine lettuce or nothing like that. I had to eat uh, broccoli, spinach, kale, Mm -hmm. all those kind of things to get the protein back into my body. Otherwise I would have been probably sick.
1: Yeah, nutrition is key. What full distance Ironman race? Nutrition on the course and after you finish the course.
0: Yeah, and it really during the, the during the bike is very important. Very important. Every fifteen minutes, Mo had me doing something. It was something. I was if it was a protein bar, a cube, uh, salted potato chips, whatever. Is and then. I had to alternate my infinite with water and you can get too much of one and not enough of the other. So it was a process and people that fail on the bike many times is because they're not following a nutritional plan where every mm-hmm. 15 minutes they're getting something into their system.
1: That's true. A lot of people don't get the proper nutrition and everybody's different because some people try to follow someone else's plan. It's kind of like kind of trial and error and working with somebody who knows exactly what you need. Exactly.
0: Mo needed knew exactly how much carbs I needed, how much protein I needed, how many electrolytes I needed. And he spent two or three hours putting together something very specific for me and Mm -hmm. when people fail on the bike you ask them what did you do for nutrition it was just come see come see. i had a few cubes and i had a you know fig bar or whatever
1: so part of my podcast is to feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line can you tell me about a um, obstacle that you've had to overcome we kind of talked about some either with triathlons or running or just in life in general
0: obstacles to overcome because I always overachieving and that means that I'm overcoming obstacles. I'm trying to think of one. Well, I had a tough time with something one time and maybe this might have been, been an obstacle I'm trying to overcome. I'm still trying to overcome. I decided to do this race called Big Shoulders. Okay. Yeah. And it's a swim and I'm a swimmer. And I've done triathlons and I've swam longer distance. Well, as long a distance as this 1.5 swim. And it, the water was real cold that day because something had happened that week, churned the water, temperatures had dropped, water was freezing. Mm-hmm. And I got in that water and I couldn't breathe. I went to the first boat. I hung under that boat. They had this big boat coming, picking up people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, do you want to get on the big boat to go back to shore? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. no. And I just had to take a deep breath. And I swam, had to swim from boat to boat. And each time, you know, that boat would come back out, drop off people, come back out and pick up people. And I looked, I said, I'm not even embracing that. I'm not looking over there. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. If I have to go boat to boat, I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I was so cold. And what I realized is the longer I held onto the boat. So I said, you know what? Let me see if I can just do a stretch and really dig deep and not grab uh, the next boat. Let me go past the next one. I think they had boats maybe, I would just say maybe every hundred yards, 150, okay. 150 yards. Let me skip that one. So I went past, skipped one and went to the next one. And then I said, forget that boat. I went to the next one. Forget that boat. That was the longest swim ever, ever. It was only a mile and a half. But you go out, then you go across, and then you come in. Mm -hmm. When I came in and I had to stand up, I almost fainted. They had to grab me. And I was in a state of hypothermia. Shot. My boo came and grabbed me, took me to uh, the tents, All the beds were full. All the blankets were being used. They found a bed. They put me on a bed. It was the only bed left. And they asked my friends. I had a whole cheerleading squad out there. They were so concerned because I was the last one to come in. Well, not the last one, but I was, you know, took me a long time. They had to lay across me
1: to warm you up
0: to warm me up. So one person laid across my chest, the other one across my torso, the other one across my thighs. And they had to lay across me. They had to strip me down. They didn't have any more blankets left. And then everybody had to lay on me for about 5 minutes to give me heat back into my system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they would have had to take me to, you know, they try not to take
1: the me hospital, to the hospital,
0: yeah. And girl, I would say that was probably the worst experience i mean i felt like near death experience mm, there. Mm. just to show how we overcome i'm doing big shoulders this year
1: okay okay that
0: was a long time ago
1: i remember that i remember that race mm-hmm.
0: you know what every year i say i never do big shoulders i'll never do big shoulders and i said mm. you know what valerie you have to conquer your fears conquer mm-hmm. your fears Conquer your fears. I, you know, just over and over. So I'm doing big shoulders this year. Not if it's choppy and not if it's cold. What is the date? September? Uh, September
1: 11th. Okay, that's the weekend before.
0: Okay, September 10th. 10th. September okay. 11th, okay. this okay. is Sunday. That's the day of okay. the um, Madison, Wisconsin Ironman. So it's September 10th. But here's my take. This stuff is not that serious. If it's choppy, I don't do well in choppy. If it's ice cold, I don't do well in ice cold. So conditionally, I will be doing big shoulders.
1: Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Because I remember, I remember one year it was almost canceled, but because I remember, I think Susan was supposed to do it. She was like, okay, I'll just do it
0: another time. It's like- oh, right, right, <laughs> right. It was real choppy. <laughs> right. I remember it was a mess. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. So Susan's doing it this year as well. And I have, uh, one of my students is doing it with me. She's she's a good swimmer. Just the endurance part. I said, just hang on to the boat. Go from ready. boat to boat. Go from boat to boat. Or she's really good at just hanging out in the water, treading. So I'm like, just tread, or you know, or not tread. You know, those those wetsuits kind of hold you up anyway. So I said, whatever you do, just put your head down and keep moving.
1: Mm-hmm. And it for sure will be wetsuit wet legal, <laughs> unlike you- some other races. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, so I feel like that might be, in terms of athletic challenge, I don't really want to go into work because that's a whole nother. I think big shoulders, that time that I went into hypothermia, that was probably one of the scariest.
1: Oh Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: very scary. I mean, being out in the middle of the water.
1: It is. It's something about when you're cold, you feel like you can't catch your breath when you're swimming in cold water.
0: Right. And I kept trying to breathe. And you go under and breathe out and it's just, you're just so cold. Your chest is so cold, mm-hmm. your lungs don't warm up. And when your lungs don't warm up, it's hard to get regulated. Mm-hmm. And that's the key thing I tell people I coach swimming is that you've got to get your breathing regulated. Yeah. And that's what we struggle with. I mean, I, I have so many swimmers that can swim and I remember you going through all the stages and it was like, you went through them really well. I mean, I was, I said, I wish I could. Go from taking somebody like watching you not being able to swim to being a competent swimmer was like so inspirational as a coach. I mean, I can't take all the credit, but just to watch but you
1: were very you were helpful and you were like, "Well, you need to get in here and you need to just keep practicing." And you used to come with me swimming at LA Fitness. That helped me a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, right. I was like, yeah. <laughs> just keep putting those laps together, putting those laps together, and getting comfortable. Like Mo says, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. Be comfortable with it. And I have so many people, I'm like, right at that point, they're right where you were in terms of the triple switch. And now I'm trying to, I remember you did this so well. We said, instead of triple switch and just roll to breathe and roll your head back down and then stroke. Mm -hmm. That was the key. Yeah, I remember that. But then Mm -hmm. you started putting it shorter time, a shorter time to hang. And then you finally started just rolling and 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 moving into it, and that was why you were really the first person that I saw go all the way from not swimming to swimming in a short period of time. Oh, really? Yeah, got that down because you said I'm gonna be in a triathlon. I said, what? <laughs> what? You're like, I got a triathlon in the spring,
1: and I had to because I've taken swim lessons before. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna do it this time. <laughs>
0: And I was like, I had you and Mo to get, get me there. I was like, we're going to do this. <laughs> I believe it. I was like, you're going to do a triathlon. I said, people come to your two or three years before they do a triathlon. And you went somewhere down south and did that triathlon. I said, you go, girl.
1: I did. I freaked out. But I made it. I made friends with the
0: kayak guy. But I made it. <laughs> I took a picture with him. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, people don't know what they're missing mm-hmm. when they don't do athletic races. I don't care what it is. It could be yep. skiing. It could be competitions. I roller skate. It could be competitions and roller skating. It could be tennis. It could be, I want to be a bodybuilder. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, bikini contest. I mean, there's so many things, but if you don't challenge your body physically, you are missed so much out of life
1: true and it challenges your mind it helps you and other stuff out it helps you with your profession job, relationship it just kind of it, it gives you a goal and you have a sense of accomplishment even and it's not easy but life is not easy so it correlates to life
0: it, right if it's if it's difficult dig in and make it happen and one of the things i did do in, and i brought a picture here i was really concerned about nutrition when i was doing the the iron man so i went on and got my surgery in nutrition okay Okay. um i got my certification as a fitness coach and i got my certification as a certified personal trainer okay wasn't easy because i did it online but i just sat here and said i have my own company i've had it for seven years vt fit and i founded it before i retired i founded it yeah and um I've been coaching people, strength training, yoga, I'm yoga certified, all of that. And I said, you know what? I had some certifications, but I didn't have, you know, these pledge certifications, these top Mm -hmm. notch. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sign up, register. I didn't know it was going to be as difficult (laughs) as it was because it really Mm -hmm. takes a lot of self-discipline to sit here and go through courses and and tests and quizzes and, Mm -hmm. you know, And finals and all of that. But uh, I did it all this year.
1: Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. One more question. If a present-day Val could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself?
0: I probably would have started my journey on these races younger. Okay. You know, I look at people like you that start in their 40s. I probably would have been a phenomenal threat had I started younger because I look at what I did. I beat a lot of young people when I got older. So mm-hmm. having started running marathons at 50 and doing an Ironman at 67. Yeah. I, I think if I were to talk to my younger self, I would have just started that earlier in life. That's all. Other than that, I have no regrets. Okay. I feel <laughs> Good. I'm glad that I'm physical because I feel that when I look at my friends, I just feel in general I want everybody I know to do something to work out to true. Yeah, to be it be healthy helps your mind and your and your and your body. Right. I want everybody to be healthy, and there were a lot of illnesses in my family, and I felt like if I challenge myself to do these things, it's going to make me healthier physically and mentally. And there's diabetes runs in my family, high blood pressure. My sister passed from lupus. I mean, it's just all kind of autoimmune uh, diseases that are very prevalent in my family line that I felt like I want to avoid. So I'm going to work out because I know it's good for me. It's healthy for me. you know, maybe it gives me a few more years. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think it does, and it makes you feel good.
0: It takes a lot of stress. Yeah, and um, and it makes you look good. I mean, you
1: feel good, and then the the people you meet, it, the community is is good. I mean, oh, it's, it's oh, like a family.
0: You no, know, that's the best. That's the best. I love it. I love all of my community of athletes. I love them to death. I get the biggest kick out of them when people say, you want to go party? I'm like, no, because I got to get up. I committed to meeting somebody at 530 or six o'clock. And that's where I get a high. That's where I get a high. I don't get a high from going to a party. I don't drink alcohol. I don't eat processed foods that they have, you know, knickknacks. I don't do that. So I'm looking at longevity of life, strength. So that I'm not on a walker, and healthy, so that I live long. I want to be around for my grandbaby.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, any last minute words of advice for my listeners? I'm at the point in my life now where I want to give back.
0: I always was kind of a coachy, coaching kind of a person, but now I want to see the next generation rise up and do well and win awards and place in competitions and just get involved in marathons and triathlons and any other sport that you want to get involved in. So if there's anything that I want to do is I'd want to set an example for the younger generation and even for my generation, but to set an example to say you can be strong, you can be healthy, you can lead a stress-free life, and you can still do all the other things you want to do to enjoy your life. But being healthy and fit is number one. A high priority for me, and I think it should be a high priority for everybody. So I want to keep it moving. I want to stay active. And I want to give back.
1: Where can people find you? If it's Facebook or if they want to take your Zoom class?
0: You know, I am a terrible, I lurk around Facebook, but I don't really post. So um, <laughs> if somebody was to reach out to me, obviously they can reach out to me via messenger, um, exactly. Valerie Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, or my email for work for my business is Val, V-A-L, and then BT fit is my logo. So it's valvtfit okay. at gmail.com. So yeah, BT fit is my incorporated name. Yeah, about seven, eight years old, my business is. And it's done well. It's done well. I'm pleased at where it is. And I'm pleased that the people that come to me are serious. I've had some fallout, not much, but the people that come to me are serious. And they tell me really good stories like I've lowered my A1C. I'm not on medication for blood pressure. I've reduced my BMI has gone down. So I've reduced, you know, my fat percentage, all that kind of stuff. That's what turns me on.
1: Well, thank you again for joining me and thank you for all that you do. And I appreciate you for, for teaching me and being hard on me in the pool because I I can tell it worked. Right now, I'm trying to work on improving little stuff. But I thank you for teaching me because I was afraid to even get in the deep part of the pool. <laughs> and
0: look at you, Weida. Look at you. Iron Man 2.4 mile swims. Look at you. It had not been that long.
1: That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email run it is super therapy olb omaha love brown again that's run it is super and therapy omaha love brown at @gmail.com i also can be reached via instagram facebook twitter linkedin and youtube handle we Life, we love OUI you life OUI you love thank you and please tune in again